This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. The top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Just a great week. This club looking for their first AFC North win, Monday Night Football. We'll get to those previews later in the week. But you had a chance to watch the tape. And, I mean, I got to start with the guy, number nine, Joe Burrow, over the last few weeks. This guy is playing insane. I joked because I did tweet early on in the Saints game that man Joe looks Joe looks a little off right now and then what does he do almost throw for a thousand yards in two games and I'm not exaggerating right now um just insane what we've seen from Joe Burrow over the last few weeks a lot of people want to say look at the defenses that they face but he's still doing what he's doing and it looks like vintage 2021 even LSU's Twitter account says it looks a little 2019-ish Joe Burrow and that's always a good thing for Cincinnati Bengals fans he is in fuego. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, just on fire. I mean, the game he had this week was just, I don't know. If you think of like the top five plays he's made this season, there might be three of them from that game. I mean, like like the second best play from that game. I don't know what it would be for anybody, whether it's the out of structure, mix in, you know, falling backwards, just light toss. It's the throw to Boyd where he makes a one-handed catch throws it as he's getting destroyed by Grady Jarrett. Um, the Jamar Chase, as he said, is the best throw that Burrow's ever given him. All these things. It's like, it's like pick one. What's, what was uh, your favorite play? What was your second favorite? What was your third favorite? Those might be the three best plays he's had this season. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. But through, you know, we were talking so much about the first four or five weeks where something was off, something was off. You know, the accuracy wasn't what it normally was. A little bit of uh, – taken the sacks he's you know his process is too sped up his process isn't fast enough yet he thinks he has more time than he does and then once that offensive line's playing a little bit better giving him the firm pocket he went nuclear this week and this change happened at the perfect time because they were able to get away with some okay not great burrow performances early in the season and now he's able to just drag them kicking and screaming whether they want to or not to victory. I think he did that in the Saints game. I would say this week was a all-around butt-whooping 
from <laughs> the Bengals on the Falcons, but you know, he, the offense is running through him and the offense is awesome. Yeah. It's funny because he was close to breaking his own franchise record. And a lot of people thought, you know, or you knew going in the last few plays that you could break that record. And he's like, I thought about throwing it, uh, but, but didn't do that, but still had himself a day. And it's crazy because a lot of people and all total yards was 501. They're like, wait, Joe's thrown for more than 500 yards in a game before. And everyone's like, yeah, I mean, did you see last season? I think a lot of people loved watching that Ravens tape in the second game. Uh, when you doubt Joe Burrow, he just proves everybody wrong. And honestly kind of felt that way after week one when he had his struggles. And, you know, just a lot of people forget that when you aren't getting the training camp reps, that it is brutal. And not even the preseason for me, but the training camp and just getting familiar with this new offensive line and being there with your offense. I think that was a huge factor and thought, if anybody can make it work, it's going to be Joe Burrow. This guy has been through so much in his football career life. I mean, you can go back to Ohio State, LSU, all of that, and then been able to prove, again, a lot of doubters wrong, win the championship with LSU. The number one overall pick deals with an injury, a gruesome injury in his rookie year, learns how to walk on Christmas of that year, and a year later, was winning the AFC and the NFL. So even though Joe struggled early in that week one game, definitely thought this guy's going to find a way to get back. And he's proving a lot of people that it might, maybe I'm optimistic. Maybe I'm, I'm riding the high right now, but he could be better than what we've ever seen in his NFL career so far this year. And it's a short, it's a, it's not a bit, it's not a long one. This is only second full season in the NFL. He's been in there for about two and a half years, but I've just been really impressed over just the last two weeks alone. And a lot of people talking about the shotgun, talking about, you know, what success he saw at LSU and how he ran it. Is, is it just really the adjustments that they've made over the last couple of weeks? I mean, I don't even want to – I don't like the excuse of the defenses that they've played. I, I want to give this offense a little more credit. Yeah, no, I think the offense – as we've been talking about, they are making some schematic changes a lot. It's almost all shotgun now, at least when they are trying to be in between. When it, when they're winning by 100 and, you know, there's getting under center a few times, that's fine. But, yeah, they went shotgun um, this game a ton. They did last week and the week before. The shotgun run game is their bread and butter now, just getting that duo gap downhill powers type stuff. So, seeing that and what that does is defenses before and what they still do usually at the beginning of games now is when they're in shotgun they're not really respecting that run they're just backing out of there they're trying to say we're, we're not gonna let jamar chase beat us and then you start getting hit eight yards eight yards whether it's underneath throws or it's you know joe mixon running eight yards 10 yards eight yards 11 yards defensive coordinators hate that just being dink and dunk down the field and, you know it's Though it's terrible for them because, you know, your guys are getting tired. Your defense is on the field. Your offense doesn't have the ball. You're also just mad because you don't want to be giving up eight yards of pop uh, because they keep getting all these advantageous looks for this underneath stuff. So then just drop that safety down. You know, you're not playing two safeties all the way back anymore. You drop a safety down or, you know, maybe they are respecting the play action just a little bit more. Um and that's when they go over the top. They did even go over the top against cover two. They were beating cover two underneath a lot uh, this week, but they went over the top on that play. Ooh, that poor safety. That'll be 
in his memory forever, a core memory that uh, he had Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins running right at him. And, uh, you know, you're in a bad spot. He has to cover both. Yeah, he covered nobody and fell down. And <laughs> if he even covers one, though, it, it's just, okay, so you go out and you cover Higgins and Boyd still up. You cover Boyd. There's a throw there to Higgins because he's going vertical. There's probably a touchdown on that side, too. So I feel for him. That he's in a, uh, he was in between a rock and a hard place, but he decided, uh, you know, to take the worst possible option, just fell to the turf monster there, trying to turn around and run with Boyd or trying to get over the top. So they're able to beat these softer coverages over the top and underneath, and they got the Falcons out of those coverages by pounding them underneath. Early on in the season, uh, I caught myself kind of looking back at highlights from last season, and I hate to compare 2021, but it was just such a great year for this team. And you go on a Super Bowl run, you're going to talk about it a few times. And seeing them almost get back to where we saw they were this time last year, at least almost going into their bye two games in, that didn't go well. Joe Burrow remembers that. He talked about how huge it would be to go 3-0, and but obviously they're taking one game at a time. The first scoring play with Tyler Boyd kind of brought me back to what we did see from those highlights because Joe's throwing the ball downfield. He's throwing it over the middle. And what I like about that play is Ted Karras. I'm not sure if you were able to watch the interview in the locker room this week, but he talked about that. He was invited. Um, It's one of the things that I want to say, Zach Taylor, probably Brian Callahan, the quarterback coach and the quarterbacks are in there the night before the game and they play a game guess what play we score on first and paraphrasing a little bit here and ted and joe were getting dinner that night and and joe invited them hey you want to come to our meeting and you know you can guess what play you think we're going to score on first and ted karras was the winner and i don't think anybody's ever gotten it right and he said it was going to be the tyler boyd play um, but, but just overall, I just, I loved everything about that. And Ted's like, look, I, I, I take the Saturdays really serious. I'm not going to jump in or go back to those meetings unless I'm invited. And you can just see that, that early on connection that they have. I want to get to the offensive line in just a little bit. We'll, we'll focus on the wide receivers. And what we saw this past Sunday was what we've been asking for, what what you brag about when you talk about this offense, when you have all three of those receivers. Two weeks ago, we're like, does Tyler Boyd even exist on this offense? Why are they not giving Tyler Boyd the ball? And then he leads in yards, has the same amount of catches as Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase gets two TDs. Uh, T. Higgins was robbed of a touchdown. I will just say that right now because I'm selfish and I wanted him to have a touchdown and almost have 100 yards too. But this is the best balanced offense when you're getting everyone the ball even Hayden Hurst almost 50 some yards he had some key catches out there too and it just felt so balanced and and again maybe it's optimism but it felt better than than ever before when you think of the wide receiver room what did you love about it on Sunday nobody's really talked about it that was the most yards Tyler Boyd's ever had in a game he broke his own personal record um, his first record before that was uh, against the Bucks when he was 23 years old, about four years ago. Uh, so, yeah, shout out Tyler Boyd. He broke his own personal record. I feel like everybody's just talking about, oh, they almost had three 100-yard receivers. But I remember I was I was writing my takeaways article, and I thought, and I wanted to look just to make sure, is this like his first 150-yard game? And, yeah, it was. So shout out Tyler Boyd. He was awesome, too. Uh, he usually doesn't – he's usually not the deep threat, but he scored the first deep touchdown, 50 yards – through the air, something like that. And shout out Ted Karras on that play. What he called it, sure. 
he also made the best block on the play. Because um, he knew. He wanted some bragging rights. <laughs> Grady Jarrett um, is going against him. Grady Jarrett gets him a little bit off, and then he's able to recover and then clear him out so that Burrow has room to step up too. So he got pushed back a tiny bit, but then he's able to move Jarrett and push him out of the pocket to clear that window for Burrow to just launch very beautiful deep ball to Tyler Boyd. I know there's nobody in coverage, but just watching Burrow like throw, it just looks really nice. Um, but yeah, the wide receivers, Tyler Boyd, awesome, that deep ball. And then he almost had that second touchdown on that out route where he he won that from the outside. Another thing that I don't know if he's brought up enough, you know, he's such a slot receiver. And I've even gotten into it where I say like, yeah, they have a guy that only plays in the slot. Well, they put him outside and he beat the corner for an out route and almost a touchdown. So, you know, he's he's better than I think he gets credit for a lot of the time. At least yeah, I'll say I'll just say a lot of the time, yeah. I think he's very good. I think at times during the offseason, things got so hyped up that you know everybody's saying, Oh, you'd be a wide receiver one on ten different teams. I'm like, uh, maybe, I don't know. But you know, he is a good player. He's a very good player, and uh, I'm glad he had his game to show show the world that he is not just the third fiddle, but he is good enough that you could run an offense through him and they were able to um on sunday jamar chase also awesome t higgins one of the quietest 90 something yard performances of all time because everybody's just asking him to get a couple more but usually if he was getting 90 something yards in 90 yards uh let's quick math here 90 if he had 90 yards in every game this season and i think he had more than 90 yards that'd be 1530 yards on the year so that is yeah that is not like some <laughs> uh, that's not even that good like no if he was doing that every game that'd be amazing but because of how explosive the offense was and how close they were to getting all three 100 yards it almost feels disappointing yeah, and it's self. I like I'm being selfish. I just wanted T. Higgins to get over a hundred because I'm like, look, this guy's finally full go. He had been battling that lingering ankle injury, and just the way everybody was performing, it would have just felt like the perfect day um, if T. Higgins was in the end zone too. And you know, it's just really crazy to think about all of those wide receivers. I know that Jamar Chase talked about the throw from Joe, and it was it actually happened right in front of me. And I saw Jamar Chase running into the the area, the corner of the end zone. I thought, you know what? He's going to catch this. It's going to be a touchdown because Joe and Jamar's chemistry, if you even watch Joe right before he throws it, you knew the two were going to connect. You knew this was vintage 2021. Like I said, even in the 2019 LSU days, that it was going to be fine. And I think it's incredible when Jamar Chase holds onto the ball. He has two defenders on him and then he pulls up and he pushes the defender off him as he gets up off the ground. And he's like, yeah, I just caught that. And then they all do the gritty in the end zone and, uh, and move on. But Jamar, man, he was hyping up Joe after the game and just really giving him credit to be like, Joe went off, Joe went off today. And sometimes look, Joe talked about it a couple weeks ago. He deactivated his social media, and I think he only activates it to post his uh, game photo at the end of the game if they win, and then he deletes it again. And I don't believe Joe is reading anything on social media. I truly don't. I think he does, you know, post that and, and kind of has that fun interaction, but then jumps right off of it. I, I, Joe's not listening, but you can't tell. I mean, you're right. Joe is listening. Joe's listening to our podcast. Um, shout out Joe. But uh, but no, I, I'll i say this. This is the point I was trying to make. Joe says he's not listening. But if you, I, I have a feeling Joe has this board 
And he's like, his little darts at home. He's like, going to do that. going to do that. I'm going to prove that person wrong. I'm going to prove that person wrong. I'm joking. But, but he comes out there and he just shows everyone like, oh, you guys wanted to say, you know, I'm done. Or uh, that, that was just luck for my 2021 season, having all these wide receivers. People want to talk, and not to make this about Justin Herbert, but people want to talk about Justin Herbert, all, all the injuries that he's dealing with on his offensive line and, um, you know, what the Chargers have to deal with when it comes to injuries. Joe took a backup offensive line last year all the way to the Super Bowl, and we just dealt with it. We said, sorry, that's just his offensive line, and he's going to have to deal with it, and it's unfortunate that he's going to get sacked 70 times but he still did what he did. And there's just, it's just, I, I just think it's incredible to look back on that. But at the same time this year to be like, a lot of people wanted to just say it's done. Joe's Joe's not going to be good. Everybody's figured Joe out. And it is, it's the comparison to Patrick Mahomes last season. Yeah. With Mahomes having his issues last season against the same coverages that everybody's saying the Bengals can't figure out. Um, look, both guys figured out. They're both awesome elite quarterbacks. That's just what it is. Then these guys aren't going to be, held back for long you know you think guys have you know slow starts rough spells but when you're this good that doesn't last you know it's not like you're looking at you know a Peyton Manning or a Drew Brees or uh you know one of those or never, well maybe your Rogers this year <laughs> but uh one of their seasons and you're like oh there was uh there was a, a real bad season like other like rookie years when they're hitting their prime and their prime years it's not like you look at five years in a row in their prime and you're like oh yeah but he had that year where he threw as many picks as touchdowns only three thousand yards like, that doesn't happen so it didn't happen for joe didn't happen for mahomes i'm sure i think alan even had this same uh conversation before doesn't happen for him you know these they're now they're all fireballs again they're, they're just everything is fire they have Flamethrowers attached to their hands, all these elite quarterbacks. And, uh, so going into week eight, Joe Burrow's back, 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 back. Yeah, back, 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 gone. Back. I don't know. He's here. <laughs> yeah, he's here. I think this is this is prime Joe Burrow, and we should just enjoy it. I don't think – I mean, it could happen. He had a few games last year that made you go, yeah, almost, you know, like, or like – not perfect even the, during his run i went for like you know i don't think it'll happen for like eight games this season he has a slow start i think now he's gonna be good the rest of the way has to be good the rest of the way but if he's awesome the rest of the way you know mvp mvp I think, I think he knows that too i think i think the players know so you know if he plays this good i'm not talking 500 yards but just like this awesome efficient winning all these things and gets, I don't know, number one seed AFC, not out of reach. Number two seed wins the division, just win the division. I think it's the big one, but win the division, uh, you know, you're up there statistically. I don't think these guys care too much about what you're doing consistency on film or anything, but you know, got the stats, win the division, you got the wins, you got the team, you got the narrative could happen. I, I'm not saying it is impossible. He is now fourth in MVP odds as well. We're going to get to more of that next in our next segment because we are running three minutes over and I'm just going to be nice to our producer, Nick. We're going to be back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Again, we're going to lead into the second segment with QB1, number nine, Joe Burrow. And it's one of those things. We talk about that MVP conversation. I get kind of backlash on it. Oh, it's too early to talk about that. This time last year, we were saying Jamar Chase, rookie of the year. Let's talk Joe Burrow, comeback player of the year. And at the end of the season, you could have put Joe in the MVP conversation. Didn't think he was going to win it, but he deserved to be in that conversation. If you were ready to crown a bunch of quarterbacks after week one and two in the MVP conversation, you're at the halfway point of the season. I think it's fair to say this guy is proving, even, even in the games that they've lost, Joe's still putting up the numbers. And we've always said it in those games. With Joe Burrow on the field, you always have a chance. And yes, credit to the defense and even the losses, being able to do what they've done in the second half is just absolutely insane right now. But Joe has led them down the field for a score. Maybe they start out slow on offense, but he always finds a way towards the end of the game to at least put him in the game, tie the game, or the go-ahead touchdown, what we saw last week against the Saints. And then, of course, he just dominates the Falcons. So... When you hear that, oh, it's too early to to put him in that conversation. You know, what do you think about that? What's what's too early? I mean, when is it when is it okay? So for Burrow specifically, it's too early to talk about as like a favorite. I think I know he's fourth in MVP odds. The top two are the top two. Uh, Mahomes and Allen are far and away the favorites. And then you have Hertz, who I think is in a tier of his own, and then Burrow and Lamar are the next grouping. But um, we're looking at it, though, it's it's Burrow is there despite such a slow start. Um, that's the big deal to me. And now he's getting up there in passing yards. He, he's getting near the league lead. And the touchdowns are coming. All these things are coming for him. So those are important for this conversation because I think the voters look at all of those stats a lot. Um, but like I was saying, it's just, he started so slow that it's almost too early for him to be a part of, is he a favorite? Like last year he was top five, probably in the voting. I don't know if that gets released. I would think that he was in the top five of voting. Um, and I think if you ended it right now, he might be top five in voting again, but if he can consistently, and show it against good defenses, too, because it, while we watch and we say that throw was awesome, the, the placement was great. If you watch the film, he wasn't just beating up on bad defenses, giving those guys 50-50 balls. He's playing with awesome ball placement accuracy, playing out of structure. He's processing the game really well. He's just destroying this defense structurally more than taking the personnel matches. 
the the people you know the it's kind of the old bcs impress the voters you know but mm -hmm. impress the voters for the mvp what's the mvp moment type thing you know what is that maybe that's kansas city or buffalo in the prime in a prime time window beating those defenses i do think that buffalo game could be you know if burrow keeps it up I, it's all about the stats and your record so if they win the division and he is looking top three in yards, top in touchdowns, you know, got great yards per attempt and passer rating, all those things. And then they play Josh Allen on the on January a, on 2nd, a, Monday night, January football. 2nd, Monday night football. Uh, I think that could be a big one because that's probably looking at two of your top MVP guys. If Burrow can continue this um, and Allen could continue his, although he's, you know, I feel confident in both guys being great going forward, but let's just say, they have to continue this well, but that could be kind of the center stage. It's happening so late in the season too, right? That it's almost right before votes go in. The early season stats matter way less than your late season stats for this because it's like, what have you done for me lately? Let's look at the uh, season-long stats and let's look at how your team did. And that Monday night game could be big. Could be big for a few things. Could be big for, you know, the Bengals in general, uh, but it also could be big for Joe Burrow's possible MVP odds. It's honestly absolutely wild to think about. I want to get to the offensive line performance on Sunday and the defense. We'll get to that in a little bit. But I do want to focus on the AFC playoff picture because I think Cincinnati put themselves right back into the conversation after what they've been able to do the last two weeks. Monday night football is absolutely huge. And we'll get to the preview predictions later in the week. But if they win that one and Joe... Joe can play in prime time. He's proved that in Cincinnati that he's doing just fine in that environment. And I do kind of feel like it's a little bit of a revenge game for Joe because he's trying to beat the Cleveland Browns for the first time in his career. But again, I don't want to look too far ahead because there's so much to talk about and a lot of exciting conversations right now with this team. It's wild because that January 2nd game, it's a lot of deja vu because it's still, it's wild that sports gambling is going to be real on January 2nd for that game. And they're going to have all that at Paycor Stadium because that'll officially happen on January 1st. And I can't imagine how many people are going to put money on that game. Then this time last year, they, well, it was 2022, January 2nd, 2022. They were playing the Kansas City Chiefs at home, won that game to win the division. You could be right back in that picture if the AFC North standings are close. And they could be. In the following week, um, you'll have the Baltimore Ravens. But to be kind of put in that position again and not to look at the crystal ball and predict this is going to happen. But say you win that game on January 2nd and it helps you win your division. You help your playoff seeding. And then you would see the Buffalo Bills in the AFC Championship game replacing the Kansas City Chiefs, just what you got in 2021, but the replacement team of exactly who you saw. Because I have a feeling if, if Cincinnati is going to the postseason, they're going to be seeing Kansas City or Baltimore or the Buffalo Bills. Uh, a lot of people thinking only one's going to come out of the North, but I don't know. I'm not feeling super strong about the AFC overall. It's kind of a little tight, top-heavy right now, but I feel like – we're really going to start to see early November and kind of seeing it right now, late October, the good teams are going to start to float to the top. And then you'll have your medium, your teams right in the middle. And then the ones that are just like absolutely brutal. And I'm going to put the Denver Broncos in that category. Um, but overall, it, it's just absolutely wild. If you're, if you're 
Mike Brown and the ownership group right now, and this team stays what we saw from last year. This offense stays hot. This defense can continues to do just absolutely amazing things in the second half. And you get Kansas City. You get the Buffalo Bills. You get the Baltimore Ravens games all at Paycor Stadium. That Kansas City game is a 4 p.m. game, so Tony Romo, Jim Nance are coming to town. Monday Night Football, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and then Baltimore Ravens to end the season. It's absolutely incredible to think about the home slate towards the back half of the season. Yeah, those three games could all technically be primetime, right? Uh, not the Chiefs. I guess the Chiefs game could get flexed. I haven't looked at what Sunday Night Football matches. I don't Tuesday think – but, yeah, I think that CBS protects the game so that they keep it. But really – the game of the week is almost a primetime game because for most teams that for most, sorry, most households, that's the game you get. It's it does great numbers. So it's, it's almost its own primetime, but let's say it's not primetime. So you still have the bills game. That's primetime. And then the Ravens game. I don't remember when that's supposed to be played, but if that is for the division, I imagine that gets flexed into the last week Sunday night football slot. I don't, so, even want, I don't even want that to be a that matter about the division. I want that to be taken care of going into that game, and maybe you're just knocking them out. Knocking them out. That would just be... I will say, even if it's for the one seed, you know, or the two could seed. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? And the okay. Ravens are playing to make the playoffs or something like that. You know, they they win, they're in. If they lose, maybe, who knows? At least going into the week, they'll know when it's the last game. <laughs> I guess they'll know. Why, why am I getting so excited? <laughs> anyway, that's so far down the line. But it I'm is, just saying it is, it is. that it is almost three games in a row of what could be basically primetime games. You know, you've got your game of the week. You've got a primetime game and what could be flexed into something. So could get a lot of viewers on the Bengals going in as they try to make their big push. I think right now they are, wouldn't say a lock for the playoffs. They win their next two games. I still wouldn't say a lock for the playoffs. There's just, you know, things could go wrong, but I do think they're in a good position right now. 538 has them at about a 70% chance to make the playoffs. um, 40 something percent chance to win the division. Ravens have the 50 something percent chance and the Browns and Steelers, as I've been saying, probably not a real conversation, but win the division. Um, And they seem to think the same thing. So if you win the, the big issue though, for, what's separating them and the Ravens, even though like the same, you know, statistically record, all of that is their own two in the AFC North. And so that's why this game is so big on Monday night is if you can get to one and two, you just start getting some of these wins together. Will the Ravens go six and oh, five and one, even in the division. I don't know, maybe, but if they go four and two and you win the second game against them, now you're in a good spot, even if you tie them, because I don't remember what the third tiebreaker is, but maybe AFC record. Uh, I don't remember, but <laughs> I'm just just a long way to say this game Monday is important. All your division games are basically game and a half almost, and the Bengals have dropped two of those so far, so they can't afford to drop their third in a row. Yeah, Joe actually, when he talks about the divisional games, he just straight up says this is a two game. It's two games. It's two games in the standings. That's why you need to win it. And I, and maybe, like I said, maybe it's optimistic, maybe just seeing what Joe Burrow's been able to do the last two weeks. But I do, Joe knows in the back of his mind, hey, I I haven't beat this team yet. And we can't lose another AFC North game because it is like the AFC is kind of just still a little bit all over the place. I don't know if it's as loaded as we thought it would be, but there's still a lot of teams with 
pretty much the same record. So that doesn't help them, you know, especially if it comes down to AFC type. I don't all that stuff's gonna be in the future. We're almost we're almost in November, which is absolutely insane to think about. Week eight, big Monday night football game again, preview prediction later in the week. I do want to hit on a little bit of the offensive line when you watch the tape. Was this if you were to rank the offensive line performance so far this season, where are you put in this game? Third. I think the last two games might have been better. Um, but I could argue second. It was it was in the upper echelon. The last three games in a row have all been, I think, good performances to different degrees. Um, whether there's one guy not always stepping all the way up, that's a different conversation. But this week, I think, was a high floor game. There were no guys that I watched and thought, oh, he's, you know, you know, I, I, I kind of bring it up. Sometimes there are times where guys get beat a few more times than he should, or then that is, you know, optimal. And uh, this game, I feel like guys lost. Volson lost to Jarrett. That happens. Grady Jarrett's a dude. And Kappa lost to Jarrett. Grady Jarrett's a dude. Uh, but it didn't feel like Burrow was under constant pressure. A lot of times he had a firm, strong pocket to step up into. So they're not even just, you know, not losing, but they're winning a lot of the time. Uh, it felt a lot like they got a good performance. That's all you really need with Joe Burrow. Um, because you create that good pocket, good surrounding system for him. He's smart, accurate. He's going to find it, and he's going to put it in the right spot. So to me, this wasn't the best performance they've had because I just think the run blocking in the Saints and Ravens games were better, even though the pass protection in this one could be better than those games. I, I think the Ravens game was actually probably just their best game as a unit, but uh, Saints game was good as a run blocking I think this game had better pass protection, so toss up there. I don't think any of the first four games get to be in the conversation really because there were a lot of issues in those games. Then they have been ironed out quite a bit. Uh, I just think that as a whole, the unit just seems more cohesive and gelled like we were hammering the entire season that this is going to happen. It happened. As long as these guys stay healthy enough that they're all playing together and you're not tossing in new pieces – the same five have played almost all of the snaps. And that is huge because these guys in their continuity with the guy next to them, they are able to work communication, everything as if they've been playing for years together. They're still not perfect. It's hard to get to that point, but it is at a high level. The floor of the offensive line has been officially, I believe, raised. Hopefully that doesn't come back to bite P this week. Yeah, better not. Um, <laughs> Miles Garrett scares me no matter how well the offensive lines play. Yeah, that guy's gonna come into the stadium in a Michael Myers mask. I can just feel it now. He's, For you, yeah, yeah, he's absolutely terrifying. Well, why, why doesn't why doesn't one of our guys just dress up as? Um, <laughs> as... Uh, I think it would be so cool. And look, I've said this on social media, and I'm 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 one of those people. We'll get to all the Halloween stuff later. This I was week. saying as Jamie as Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, Michael. He comes with Michael. <laughs> I was an NFL player. If I was an NFL player, you would dress up as Jamie Lee Curtis. No, no, (laughs) let me finish. Um, no, but okay, so I hate Halloween, like, I hate the okay, I hate no, I'm sorry. I mean, I hope there's a lot of people that love Halloween, good for them. Um, I I'm going to continue this conversation into our third segment because this is going to be longer than a minute and I'm going to wrap this, but I want to talk about this and what I would do. We're not going to get into 
cliffhanger next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsay's thoughts on Halloween. <laughs> It's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. If I had like some theater Halloween music right now and we could play that without any copyright issues, we would. Um, But I want to go to that. If I was a player and I was playing on Halloween, big game, Monday Night Football, your colors are orange and black. Not that that is a huge factor, but I'm just throwing that in there. <laughs> Halloween colors. <laughs> that was so dumb. I don't even know why I said that. But I want to go back to what I would do. Because you know, player, when they, they do the entrance now, home or away, it is such a big deal. These guys know what they're doing when they're coming in, in their suits, in their NASA sweatpants suit outfit, um, in their floral suits, you know, whatever they decide they want to come in. They know what they're doing. This is part of the show. I, if I was the three receivers, I would come in in the same Halloween terrifying Michael Myers mask and be like, you don't know which one I am. And I wouldn't even have their name on the lower third. You, you, don't know think they, uh, you, don't, you wouldn't go with something uh, more more fun, you know, like they were all. Um, what What's fun? What, why are you trying to be fun? They're, they're tough. They're football players. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. What do you uh, want them to be? Well, they, you know, they, they, they could dress up like uh, the 1970s, 80s uh, Three Amigos, you know? No. <laughs> <laughs> No. What's what's wrong with them dressing up like the the Blues Brothers? Yeah. I don't even know who the Blues Brothers are. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I don't know if you'd all dress up with the Michael Myers mask, though, right? Maybe I feel like Michael maybe you do three so different ones. You know, somebody's got the hockey mask for their Jason. Ready? Somebody's what mask are you wearing? That it's just like an old man's face. Somebody's gonna wear Freddie. Somebody's gonna wear Michael Myers. Somebody's gonna wear Jason. Out of the three, uh, you know replace, the three receivers. Freddie with uh, Ghostface from Scream. I think those are all three masks. I think would be the. Oh, you're right. You're right. The, the Freddie is a lot of work. Um, yeah, I'm just sitting down in makeup for like ten hours. Like, oh, the fans are gonna love this one. <laughs> hey, hey, TB, why are you the one that has to do all this makeup? I have a question too. If so, Cincinnati is going to travel there on Sunday. You're going to be in Cleveland all day on Monday, which sounds miserable. Uh, honestly, the last time I was in Cleveland, I was getting paid to go to Cleveland. Uh, it was to cover the Bengals game, so I that sounds miserable. But you would have all day on Monday in Cleveland to get your mask and everything like that ready. I just have a feeling these three receivers—they're all we. I mean, we're not taking bets on this, but we'll just we'll take a podcast bet. Um, that they get together and they say, this is what we're walking into Monday night football with, because you can't, you can't walk in there on Halloween, big game, big division game and not, and not dress up. So money's on, yeah. money's on the receivers. Your money's on the receiver. I think corners, I think the corner, I think a corner, it won't be Cheeto. He just has too much drip. He's not going to replace himself. With yeah. That. He's like, I got to wear like awesome clothes. Yeah. So. yeah. I have to look cool, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe Mike Hilton, you know, dressed up as uh, Jason, you know, something like that. I think that'd be fun. I I think the corners would be fun because it's kind of like a worry. I don't know. The wide receivers are also Burrow. fun. Everybody's what about fun. Joe Burrow? Yeah. Joe Burrow is going to 
You think he does? I don't think he does. I, I don't think he does. But I would, if I was Joe Burrow, I would pack like a mask or something and put it in my and put it in my bag. And if they won, I would show up in my post game with it. But he won't. But I would, because he showed up in the Santa hat after he put five twenty five on the Ravens. What if he does uh, a bad costume, like he does? Uh... Nick says you're a fan, phantom of the opera get up with a sick suit. Yeah, the one the one thing. Um, he might wear skulls on his suit or something. I don't know. What if, what if after the game he throws for 500 yards and he shows up as Austin Bowers? I mean, at that point, he can do whatever he wants. Everyone's going to put them right back at that top of the AFC if that happens. Um, but no, I, I honestly. Jackie Moon I, from Semi Pro, that'd be a fun one. I think it happens. I definitely think Miles Garrett does it. I think that the Browns defense will do it. I just have a feeling they're he's that's who he is. He loves Halloween. Um, he's it's a, he was it's the a one with the graveyards, you know. Yeah, he, he has the graveyards as a quarterback. So I'm sure Miles Garrett's not going to break news that he's going to be dressed up in a Halloween costume. Uh, but yeah, I say wide receivers. You say corners. Yeah, that, that, I, although I feel like I'm already losing because Cheeto's not going to do it, and we both agree with that. I think all the wide receivers could. Yeah, I can see Mike Hilton doing it. Uh, DJ Reader is not going to be playing in that game, so um, he would be a great one. He would yeah. be a great one, I, and I definitely think he'd participate in it. Uh, but, yeah, all, now all eyes. I can't wait for the pregame to be like, all right, let's see who's right. Let's see who did this. The the betting odds favorite is probably nobody, right? <laughs> or you think somebody will? Oh, I you think def- someone definitely, you definitely thinks somebody will. Yeah, all right. but I would be more one of those people who I would pack it in my bag and wear, it out, and wear it after if, right. if if they won i think that would be like better i'd be like yeah yeah dressed up yeah my costume it's like trick-or-treat or something also, that limits the guys that can do it because it's not like they're going to talk to i don't know alex kappa he can't bring it and then be like all right waiting for my post-game interview <laughs> i don't see the i don't see the offensive line doing this uh maybe maybe lyle Maybe him, um, but no, I, I, I'm counting out the offense line. Ted Karras would be hilarious. He should just be a big teddy bear or something. Um, but, uh, no, I really, honestly, yeah, I could see, I could see Jamar, Tyler, and T like being all in. Like, let's do it. Let's go in on this. Let's have fun. I mean, Karras does a good look for something like that. I feel like the ooh, long hair. Yeah, he could be in on it too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'll, I'll make it not only will those three receivers go in on something together, it will be something that, that makes sense that it connects to all three of them because they're just so close like that. And well, it's, it's fun. It's fun. It's Halloween, Monday night football. It's a huge game. Uh, but yeah, I obviously- hope everybody dresses up. I, it's just fun. You, you said what? I, I just hope everybody dresses up. I think that's the most fun outcome. See, that's not going to happen. I know <laughs> it's not gonna happen, but Joe Joe's not messing with his suit when he walks. I mean, he he's gonna be like it's Monday Night Football, it's prime time. I don't, I don't have time for a mask. Maybe he'll steal one of the wide receivers' mask in the post game if they win, and just be like, oh yeah, I found this, found this out there. I mean, Joe Joe still wouldn't. That's not his personality. Um, we say that's not Joe's personality. He shows up in his chains and his sunglasses and his Santa hat. Um, and he has a little fun, but I don't know. That'd be, that'd be kind of cool. I would show up if I put 500 on him and then yeah. like on Monday night football, I'd, I'd put my mask on. Uh, but yeah, to be determined on if that happens and hopefully they are celebrating and getting a win on Monday night football. I can't wait to talk about that game, but let's talk about the defense. 
Um, it's still incredible to me. They battle injuries. You lose Trey late in the second half. Logan Wilson doesn't play. Uh, good news from Zach Taylor. It sounds like he's very optimistic that Logan could, could possibly return for the Cleveland Browns game. And I say that is amazing because you want more linebackers um, that you can possibly have in one of your best defensive players out there when you are facing this Browns offense on the ground. Uh, DJ Reader more than likely not going to be playing. I could see at this point, obviously you'll test him next week to see if he'd be good to go for the Carolina Panthers, but I could see them just waiting until after the bye to bring DJ Reader back and not really rushing him into it. Uh, but yeah, the second half, not giving up a touchdown. I think the Cheeto play should be on repeat. It's absolutely insane. He hasn't given up a touchdown all season. And for him to just lay out Kyle Pitts right there, like the one yard line, um, pretty incredible. And it's just really insane to think about and credit to Lou. I, I, you can say, Lindsay, this is, I probably have a hot take every episode. You can say this is a hot take, but I'm going to say it. Lou is the best defensive coordinator in the NFL right now. Um, go ahead. I I was trying to think of somebody uh, just off the top of my head, uh, but you know we'll just uh, just go with it. Just go with it. Every time we every time we go with it, it all works out. Cheeto top five. We said that a couple weeks ago. (laughs) Cheeto top five. Roll with it. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, whatever we say on this podcast is going to happen. So um, so yeah, Lou Bestie. Oh oh, I have to go now. Just, uh, I think Dan Quinn, what he's done the past two years is pretty pretty remarkable. You're right. Again, he's the first, he's the number one defense with the Cowboys in like every major statistic, just like he was last year. So I do have to just finally, uh, I found somebody in my mind to be like, Luke could be number two. That's fine. Nothing wrong with silver. For you, that's for that's still fine. Uh, two and Lou. For me, yeah, for me. (laughs) Two and Lou sounds great. Uh, Two and Lou. Number Lou. Number two, Lou. No, we're just going with it. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm not again. It might be a little bit of a hot take, and I'm writing the defense right now. Like, I can't believe it's just, it's honestly insane that they've been able to stop teams and not allow a touchdown in the second half. Uh, but I want to focus on Cheatham. Dude's awesome, and. I know it sounds like a broken record because I feel like it gets talked about a lot. I talk about it a lot. What the front office has been able to do. Yes, Joe Burrow. Yes, the 2020 draft. Then you look at 2021 and yeah, you add another wide receiver in Jamar Chase. But at the same time, these free agents have just been absolute. It's crazy what an impact they've been able to have. You can go to Trey Hendrickson. You can go to the trade to BJ Hill before week one of 2021 and then Cheeto. And I think a lot of Cowboys fans, I remember when they signed him, they wanted him back. They're like, oh, man, I kind of kind of wanted Cheeto back on, on the team. And what he's been able to do since in the last couple of seasons with this defense is absolutely incredible because I know you know, I've seen it plenty of times in past defenses with this team that the cornerback room can be a little questionable. Um, felt like the William Jackson, the third situation was going to be over or almost when it started. Uh, after I was just like, that just, it wasn't a good relationship. It wasn't going to work out and it didn't, and they, the two separated. Uh, and then you, 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 you get Eli Apple. We um, obviously saw this past week what happened there, but I want to just focus on the secondary room and the cornerback room right now. And you look at a guy like Cheeto, Cam Taylor Britt getting a few reps in there. W- what do you think about the secondary right now? 
it's a really, really well constructed secondary, and I think they play really well together. Cheeto is probably the best player in the secondary at this point, at least during this, at least this season so far. I think what Jesse Bates can do when he's on is the the highest peak. And he had a really good game this past week. Uh, saved a touchdown, I feel like, on that wide receiver screen where he makes the left tackle miss and makes the stop to bring up third down um, because that was such a good look. I mean, they had a perfect – well, he was the only guy over there. <laughs> they said every, they had like four offensive linemen running that way at him, and it was just him. And they could just turn around and block off the inside. But So great job. I think Von Bell once a week makes you know some splash play that's super exciting. It was interceptions a couple of weeks before. This week he makes that awesome tackle for a loss when they're doing all that fun uh, reverse type stuff. And then Mike Hilton breaking up a pass against Kyle Pitts. That was awesome. <laughs> Eli Apple's only splash play that I remember was the interception, uh, the uh, touchdown he gave up. Uh, yeah. So not not great there. Not but I thought I thought in limited action and against a limited passing attack because they're not doing it too often. I I like what Cam Taylor Britt does. I I think when you insert one guy into this unit, it's okay. I think the continuity and stuff is strong enough to uplift that player. Um, but if you tried to insert like two new corners and maybe a new safety, then it starts to get a little dicey. But yeah, when it's just one guy filling in and for the weak link, we know. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference. It's not going to make the floor fall out from underneath them. And there's there's a little bit of stuff with him. I think he's too physical, I, but that is makes sense because in the college game, you're allowed to be more physical in coverage. Um, so just dial it down a tiny bit. You know, don't hit guys as much. <laughs> Let them run into you if you're going to be uh, making a lot of contact. And then um, I think he also gets too excited in the run game to go beat up the receiver and whatnot. So uh, there, there's a little bit to work on, and I want to see it against a more explosive passing attack, although the Browns don't really have that. So if he gets more run this week, I think it's another game that kind of plays into his strength because he likes to defend the run, and he in limited action, I think he does a good job in the passing game. So I don't know. What do you think the split will be between Cam Taylor Britt and Eli Apple this week? I just want to say this, and I'll make this quick because we're going to be wrapping up the podcast. I was absolutely shocked that they made that replacement. Um, I don't have a problem with it at all. And the thing that is different about Zach Taylor than the Marvin Lewis years, Zach Taylor doesn't wait around. And his coaching staff doesn't just wait around for it to work out. They're like, okay, if you're not performing, you're out of here. We're going to make an adjustment. Um, they have proven that with the offensive line in Jackson Carmen. They're not going to play you just because they got you in the second round. If you aren't a good offensive lineman, you're out of here. You'll take the L. And they are not afraid to play guys who they feel could, could you know, step up. If it is a rookie, if it is someone that's only one or two years free agent, um, I don't, they do not care if you were a starter for years and then Zach Taylor gets here and then all of a sudden you throw a fit and you're a player because you're not getting the reps that you would like. Uh, <clears throat> Carlos Dunlap, when that happened a couple of years ago. Cam Taylor Bray and what we heard from Lou when it comes to Dax Hill and his very long quote about not playing the rookies and not really rushing them out there because who you're taking off the field. I was, I was just surprised because I said it on the podcast last week. I felt like he's coming off this injury. I don't really see them rushing him. I thought it was going to be like almost a red shirt year for him. And we were going to see Cam Taylor Britt next year. Maybe he would get a few reps out there when the team is up 
Um, you know, nothing too crazy. Wouldn't have that conversation of him starting in the secondary, but now that could all be realistic. I, I don't think that the team is going to just wait for Eli Apple to make, you know, more mistakes on the road. And Eli Apple has been okay in his time here. I don't want to, you know, just throw Eli Apple under the bus right now. Um, but I was just, I will just say, I was just really surprised with, with what they did when they made that rotation with Cam Taylor Red out there. And I don't mind it if the guy's going to perform and we're going to see something out of the rookie earlier than maybe we thought. Um, but I was just, I, I would just say I was pretty surprised and um, I, I don't think they're going to be patient with that situation. No. And um, I think there's a few things is one. Uh, when Lou say, who are you going to pull off the field uh, when he's talking about Dax Hill? I think he means I'm not pulling yeah. Mike Hilton, Jesse Bates, or Von Bell off this field. And those are two different, those are different <laughs> players. You're not going to, you're not going to yeah. want to do that room. But I would just say it was a little surprise that Cam Taylor Britt of someone who, because in training camp, like he wasn't too exciting. I um, think, yeah, a lot of the reports yeah. were basically, you know, he's a he looks like a rookie. Mm-hmm. So I was a little surprised with that. And the thing is, they're seeing Cam Taylor Britt go up against this wide receiver room at practice. And they have to be impressed with what they're seeing at practice, too. And like I said before, I don't really think NFL practices are really hardcore during end season. But he's still getting those reps against the receiver room. And that's not a bad group to go against as a rookie. And they have to be pretty impressed with what they've, they've seen in practice. So I was surprised with the switch, but if it's an upgrade and it works for them, I'm all about it because that's going to be the future of that secondary room. When you put Dax Hill out there next year in the safety and you put Cam Taylor Britt out there as maybe the starting cornerback with Cheeto. So I, I just, I was, I was a little shocked. Yep. My last thoughts on it was just, I didn't think he'd play unless there was an injury. He must have done really well in practice and forced himself into the conversation. And he's shown that he can play at the NFL level. So I don't see the rotation going away anytime soon. Um, and uh, I think he really had to impress because I do believe when Lou says he doesn't, you know, the, the communication is important and corners can, you know, kill their confidence or get thrown out there too early. Uh, defensive backs in general can get kill their confidence when they get thrown out there too early. Uh to play him as much as he did. I, I know I just said, like, he doesn't want to take those three guys that Dax Hill can replace off the field. And there is a guy you can take off for an outside corner. But at the same time, he, I, I do think he does believe in not putting those guys out there too early. So he has to really feel like he's ready. Um, we didn't see it in the preseason or anything, but, which sucks. Uh, I, I was hoping we'd get to see him, but he got injured. So he's showing that he can play in the league right now. Um, he needs to be able to keep it up, be consistent. And we could be looking at a corner change during the season. It, it already started a little bit. The, the snap count was way in his favor. It was 66 to 33% or so. I'm all about positive upgrades. If it means good for this defense and it benefits them, I'm all about it. I don't really care too much about feelings getting hurt or anything like that. Not that any feelings were hurt, uh, but you got to do what's best for your defense. And look, like I said, they don't, they don't have a lot of patience. Uh, they want to keep it going and they're trying to go the whole entire season without getting given up a second half touchdown. I'm, I'm all about it. You're halfway through it. We'll see what happens in the second half. I'm really excited. Monday Night Football, we're going to have that matchup later in the week. We'll talk Bengals and the Cleveland Browns, the first matchup of the 2022 season. What is on all Bengals right now? I will have an article. I uh, It will be on either – not either. Sorry. It'll be on all of the uh, defensive, not rookies, but just uh, uh, some guys that, you know, they're going under the radar or how 
they gave Taylor Britt's one of that. But the young guys of this defense that had to step up recently, you know, your Joseph Asai, your Cam Taylor Britt's, your J2 Fellas. So just an article showcasing them in this defense. Check it out, all Bengals over on Twitter, Bengals underscore Sand. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. We will be back later this week to talk more about the Bengals and Browns on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.